Yo, today's QOD is, if your work is your play, you'll never work a day in your life. Here we go. Show. I'm your host, Sean Croxon of SeanCroxon.com. We got Dr. Dennis Kimbrough on the show today. And, you know, it is still February, so it's still Black History Month. So we got nothing but black speakers on the show this week to build you up. Remember, like two or three months ago, Reverend Ike was on the show and I was telling you how I'm so tired of just hearing people talk about how black people can't do this and how bad we got it and all that stuff and how I needed some balance. I needed somebody to build us up. And it's not just for black folks, you know, to hear these messages. It's really for everybody. And so I hope you stay tuned in this week. I got some really good stuff. Again, we got Dr. Kimbrough today, KRS-One tomorrow, Dr. George Fraser on Wednesday. It's, It's my favorite show of the whole entire week probably one of my favorite clips ever then we got reverend ike back you know it's a throwback thursday kind of recent throwback thursday and then we got tyler perry closing out the week so i hope you stay tuned in and today dr kimbrough is going to talk about burning desire you gotta really want it and he also talks about finding the thing you really love to do Finding that thing that really matches your skills and that you're truly passionate about. Here's Dr. Kimbrough. Well, let's talk about what we need to know. All right. In 1908, there's a knock on the door of the wealthiest man in the world. Who was that individual? It was Andrew Carnegie. Andrew Carnegie was 74 years at the time. If you take his wealth at the time and equate it to 2017 numbers, we're talking in excess of $300 billion. Andrew Carnegie had a 64-room mansion overlooking Fifth Fifth Avenue in Central Park in New York. The butler goes down, answers the door, and who's on the other side of the door? 24-year-old Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill was a college student, even at age 24. But he had a side job working for Bob Taylor magazine. That magazine is no longer in in, in publication. How in the world they got a one-hour interview with this guy, no one knows, but here comes Napoleon Hill walking into the house, and the first thing going through Napoleon Hill's mind, he didn't get caught up in the bling-bling. He didn't get caught up in the excess, all the cars, the Rolls Royces, this mansion. The only thing that Napoleon Hill was concerned about was what type of mindset does this individual have, possess, that would bring all this to bear in reality. So he walks in, and what was scheduled for a one-hour interview, Carney could sense that, that Hill was different. And the interview went by so quick, and Carnegie said to Napoleon Hill, young man, I, I, I like your style. I, I like the way you come across. You know, you're, you're gonna really going to make something of yourself. And I'll tell you what, you know, why don't you spend the entire weekend with me? You know, you know let's, let's really talk about wealth and achievement and leadership and success. So that one-hour interview transpired over until Sunday afternoon, and it was time for Napoleon Hill to leave. And then Andrew Carnegie asked him the question of questions. He said, young man, he said, I got a little black book. 
And in that book, I got the contact information of all the game changers out there. I mean, I got the contact. I, I can help you get in contact with Henry Ford, Harvey Firestone, Charles Goodyear, Alexander Graham Bell, you know, uh, William Wrigley, Chicago Cubs, whatever. You know, and just like you interviewed me over the weekend, would you be inclined, if I can set these interviews up for you, would you be inclined to interview these individuals and take that information, place it in a single volume to benefit not only this generation, but generations to come? And Napoleon Hill didn't know that Andrew Carnegie had a stopwatch behind his back. And he was going to time him to see how long it took him to reach that assessment. And Hill said, yes, only took him 11 seconds. And Carnegie says, wait a minute, young man, I, I didn't finish my, my question to you. I'm not going to pay you a dime. Oh, I'll reimburse you for any expenses, but I'm not going to pay you a dime for this task. Writing this book will be reward enough. And again, Hill said yes. Well, you fast forward the videotape to 1937. That book that he worked on became Law of Success, got this country out of its first depression. But in 1937, he wrote Think and Grow Rich while he was on staff, a speechwriter for um, Franklin W. Roosevelt. Well, at the time of his death, and I didn't know it, here you got a nondescript, Dennis Kimbrough got his fancy PhD degree from Northwestern University. All he did, working on his doctorate, he studied wealth, he studied poverty among underdeveloped countries. And when I graduated and I was granted that degree, I turned to my wife and I said, Pat, I know my first book. She said, what is it? I don't want to study wealth and poverty. I only want to study wealth. And I don't want to study underdeveloped countries. I just want to study African Americans. And I drew up a list, and I placed 50 names on that list, men and women who I was going to interview, and I did. And that list grew from 50 to 100, from 100 to 150. I quit counting at 150 interviews, and I'm still interviewing people today. Well, Success Magazine caught wind of what I was doing. They asked me to write a series of articles. And I wrote three articles. And one of those articles made it to the desk of W. Clement Stone. I just returned home from spending a better part of a day with um, uh, Black Enterprise, Earl Graves, and I fly back to my home and I see there's a message on my answering machine. I hit the button and who is it? <laughs> w. Clement Stone. W. Clement Stone in the 1970s was one of the wealthiest in the world, certainly one of the wealthiest here in the United States, and he was Napoleon Hill's personal manager. Hit the button, young man, we heard about you. When can you come to Chicago? I'd like to meet you. Less than two weeks later, me and my wife borrow, hook, script, rob Peter to pay Paul to get the money to go there. She waits in the rental car for two hours while I walk into the meeting. I didn't have the slightest idea what W. Clement Stone had in mind, but I got my marching orders from my wife. I was dead broke. I lost two cars in the process. Anybody have a car repossessed? I had two repossessed. I couldn't begin to tell you. At times, lights, water, electricity was cut off. Second time they cut my water off, they cut my water off on a Friday. Couldn't get it back on till Tuesday. And I looked in my oldest daughter's eyes and I lied to my oldest daughter. She came home from high school. She took a cup, put it on the faucet, Dad, what's happened to the water? And I looked at that child and I lied. I said, oh, they're working on the pipes outside. No, Dad didn't have the money to keep the water on. Why? Because I was inundated with this dream, with this idea. And the marching orders I got from my wife, uh, if he offers you a job, you're taking it. <laughs> <laughs> so I go in there and he says to me, young man, you're not the first person going around the country interviewing successful African Americans. I said, I'm not. And he said, no. 
<laughs> he said Napoleon Hill was doing this at the time of his at the time of his death. I said, "You got to be kidding." He said, "I got a proposition for you." And I said, "What is that?" We want you to finish a book. I said, "What book?" He reached across his credenza, pulled out the last 100 written pages of Napoleon Hill, dropped it on my lap. He said, "That book." I said, I'm honored, I'm humbled, but I can't do that. And he said, why not? I said, I'm working on a book of my own. He said, if you got any sense, you'll push your book aside and finish this. Well, Napoleon Hill was working on a black version of his all-time classic, got 100 pages into the manuscript, died of a stroke. He was 87 years old. So what do we need to know? No matter who I interviewed, and I got them all from Tyler Perry to T.D. Jakes, Steve Harvey spoke in my class, Ayala Van Zant spoke in my class, uh, who else spoke, Tyrese spoke in my class, you name them, I interviewed them. I found four common chords. Number one, they dreamed big dreams. They had a dream, they had a vision, something they were passionate about. People ask me all the time, Dr. Kimbrough, what is the difference between the individual who works in corporate America five years and gets sick of the job and starts a business and then quits and then goes back, you know, he, you know, about to lose his shirt and then he runs back into corporate America and that individual who works in corporate America quits, starts his business and then eventually becomes, you know, hits the load star, becomes a millionaire, whatever. And I said, simple, burning desire. I found a burning desire in all these individuals. There I am interviewing Damon John. I said, Damon, uh, what was the high water part in your, uh, you know, point in your life? He said, when I had to burn the furniture. I said, what do you mean burn the furniture? He said, when I finally got financing from Samsung, Samsung, I got a Samsung, they loaned him $80,000. And what it did, he hired all these seamstresses. He was living with his mother. His mother was a flight attendant. And all these seamstresses showed up at his mother's house, and he had nowhere to put, you know, their sewing machines and their equipment. I said, so what did you do? He said, I took all the furniture out of my mother's house, put it in the backyard, and set it on fire. <clears throat> See, we got 50 million different desires, all right? That hurricane hit the southeast area and did a little damage to the deck in our house. And I said, Pat, we'll go ahead and get insurance, blah, blah, blah. She said, no, I got a new vision for this. We're going to change this. Did I tell you I'm getting a new stove and we're going to change the ceiling up here? Pump the brakes, baby girl. Pump the brakes. <laughs> we all got 50 million different desires. <laughs> That's a desire. You might want to see a new outfit, get a new That's a desire. But look, damn it, a burning desire is an inner candle, an inner flame that cannot be extinguished. And though the worst may go before you, the doubters may come, the cynics may come, and the doubters and cynics were there for me. The non-achievers, unbelievers, all the people who will scoff at you, all the people who will ridicule you, all the people who will ever laugh at you, you will use their doubt, you will use their cynicism to propel you forward. And that's the difference. You got the guy who works in corporate five years, gets sick of it, jumps out there and starts a business. After one year, no one's using his product, no one is using his service, gets behind on his mortgage, about to lose his car, and he says, before I get to lose this house and lose that car, <laughs> blows the dust off his resume and jumps back into corporate America. Then you got another guy who works in corporate America five years, gets sick of it, jumps out there and starts that business. After one year, no one's using his product, no one is using his service, about to lose his house, about to lose a couple of cars. But before he loses that house and before he loses that car, he doesn't blow the dust off his resume. He says, take the house, take the car. I can't go back in there. Why? What is the difference? One guy is afraid of losing his house and car. The other is afraid of losing his life. 
I didn't choose to be here and you didn't choose to be here. Baby girl, you were chosen. You were chosen. You were chosen for this time and place. Jesus, where in the world have you been? You got people worried about you. You've been missing. Don't you know we've been looking for you? And what does Jesus say? <laughs> Moi? Me? You looking for me? Brother, you, you should have known where I've been. I've been about my father's well, what is your father's business? Your father's business is growth. Your father's business is development. Your father's business being better today than you were yesterday. You know, so number one, dream, passion. What Steve Harvey told me, a career is what you're paid for, but a calling is what you're made for. What have you been made to do? Do you even know your area of excellence? Do you? No one in this room is 16. Come on, man, we got miles on us. How come you don't know your area? I need to know why you don't know your area of excellence. When I'm teaching my MBAs and we go through the process of finding your area of excellence, we pour champagne in that room. Why? Because when you find out the number one reason why the Lord blew breath into your lungs, you find the number one, you know, number one reason, you know, you find your area of excellence, the one thing you do better than anybody else you never have to worry about income, and you never have to worry about employment. Why? The marketplace will seek you out. The marketplace will seek you out. And how do you find your area of excellence? Ask yourself three questions. Number one, what do I love to do? What do I have a passion for? What can I throw my whole heart and soul into? In other words, don't die with your music left in. You sing your song. What did the rapper, you know, uh, you know, Too Short say? It's been way too long time for the whole world to say your, you know, play your song. Every time I walk into the classroom, my students are playing my song. This is what I was born to do. There I am, undergrad, University of Oklahoma. You know what my frat brothers called me? By my junior year, my frat brothers called me the professor. Why was that a book on the mall? Where's Kimbrough? Oh, he's in lab. In other words, we call it lab the library. He's in, I've always reading. I always wanted to know. Inquisitive nature. What did my mother say? Boy, you ask too many questions. <laughs> and that's why I could tell you, my dear, oh, Dr. Kimbrough, your books are great. Yeah, I know my books are great. Why in the world can I say it? Because I didn't do anything but sit in the corner, interview your peak performance, and took notes with both hands. I didn't do anything. I just took good notes. Well, I've been taking good notes over the course of my life. So here it is. Here's what they say. Now, why is that critically important? Because black America, you are the only group, you are the only group that don't profile your wealth creators. You doubt that? Come to my study. Whole first floor in my house is my study. I got a big flat screen TV. Here's a remote control. Go ahead and click it on. And go to, you know, one of the financial networks. Go to Bloomberg. Go to MSNBC. You might find an, uh, an interview, see, you know, Bill Gates and Microsoft being interviewed. You might Warren Buffett being interviewed. Old interview of, of Steve Jobs. Blah, blah, blah. When's the last time you've seen one of your wealth creators being profiled? All right, you got six black billionaires out there, all right? Can you tell me the six? Oh, oh, I don't know. Well, that's the problem. That's the problem. Black America, how do you get up and look in the mirror in the morning, knowing you only got 35,000 black millionaires? You almost got the same number of millionaires that Qatar has. You got about 35,000 millionaires in Qatar. But this is the problem. You got 34 million African Americans in the United States, and you barely have 900,000 people who live in Qatar. What are you doing? So number one, they dream big dreams. How to find your area of excellence. Number one, you know, what do you love to do? Number two, you know, what would you do for free? If no one ever paid you a dime, if no one gave you financial reward, 
what would you do for free? Because when you're doing what you love to do and you do it for free, your work is your play. And if your work is your play, you'll never work a day in your life. It is completely symmetrical. That was Dr. Dennis Kimbrough. His website is DennisKimbrough.com. You can check out today's entire talk on the Empower Series YouTube channel. It is called Achieving Success and Greatness with Dr. Dennis Kimbrough TV. That is it for me. Hey, pick up my free ebook, Money Mindset Made Simple at MoneyMindsetMadeSimple.com. Also, follow me on Instagram and please leave a rating and or review for the show on iTunes as well as Spotify. I will see you tomorrow with KRS-One. See you then. Peace.